You are listening to The Floating Point on Rave Pubs Radio. I'm your host, Hope Roth. I'm joined today by Julia Bailey from CommuniQuest Consulting. She's a bona fide people person, and she's going to talk to us about market research and a white paper that she just wrote. Very pleased to have her with us. Before we get started, I would love to thank our sponsor, Ingram Micro, for all your AVIT needs. Thanks, Ingram Micro. And thank you for joining us, Julia. I'm so excited to have you today. My pleasure to be here. I'm not a programmer, so I will try to live up to everybody's expectations. This will probably be the most listenable of all of our shows. Actually, we have, uh, we've had quite a few people, people, person programmers on, so we do have a high standard of uh, communication, but uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about the user experience because I think that's really the way forward in, in uh, how programmers are going to stay relevant is that great user experience, which you know all about because you you talk to our users you talk to us you talk to consultants you talk to integrators you talk to end users you talk to everybody that's um, right i might be the one person who does speak to everybody in the entire industry so. <laughs> that's great um so before we get started i always like to hear how people sort of found their way into the industry because it's always an interesting path so can you give us just a quick synopsis of how you found your way in Sure. Well, I ended up here completely by accident, not by design at all. Uh, I was working with a consulting firm that specialized in private equity market due diligence for mergers and acquisitions, and we worked across a number of different industries, uh, consumer products, food and beverage, technology, and AV. So we worked on a number of different deals in the AV space. Um, our firm is based in Virginia, right down the road from Infocom. So we developed a relationship with Infocom, and then I started doing a lot of the market research reports uh, for Infocom, starting in around 2004. And uh, that was great. So I developed my expertise in AV. But in the private equity world, we were producing these reports for really just a handful of readers, bankers, lawyers, private equity guys. And at the end of a project or the end of a deal, the report just sat on the shelf collecting dust. And I always felt there was a lot of value in there and that it was a missed opportunity that the reports weren't shared with more people and a broader audience. Because you do all this work and you create this huge report and, and it's just kind of a shame that it doesn't get read by that many people. So that's really what gave me the idea. Uh, after 12 years of doing that, I felt it was time for a change. And so I started my own company, CommuniQuest. And that's how I ended up here today. That's great. And I bet, uh, not to throw shade towards private equity people, but I will, uh, I bet we're a lot more fun to hang out with. <laughs> you know what? But we need the private equity guys. I think that they are driving a lot of really important change. Um, the AV industry is not as mature as the IT industry, not in terms of sophistication or complexity, but the age and the size of the industry. And a lot of the influx of private equity capital, I think, is going to take so many of the manufacturers and integrators to the next level. So many more firms now are focused on the business of running a business. And when I first came into AV, I kept meeting ex-rock and rollers, and that was how they started in AV, and they were a fun bunch of guys. But since convergence with AV and IT, I see a new breed of people coming in and they're really embracing the digital revolution and taking the AV industry to places where we've never been before. 
That is so true. Um, I just taught CTS prep at, at Infocom this year. And the range of people in our class was, yeah, the, the guys that had clearly been rock and rollers and weren't hearing so well in the back. Uh, and then a lot of young uh, people who came in through the tech, you know, the more traditional IT uh, sector and then everyone in between. So I think it's, I think it's a great thing for the industry that there's so many new faces and so many interesting new people. And I think it's great too, because, you know, we've always sort of done things a certain way and now, um, you know, you get some new blood into the industry and it, it I think it's inspiring for a lot of people to say, well, how can we, how can we do this different? How can we deliver a better experience? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a great segue into your white paper. Um, for those of you who are listening, we're going to link this on the on this post. Um, so if you want to go and check it out, please go read it. Um, I believe you said there's a white paper, and then there's going to be some blog posts as well that you're writing. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, based on the different case studies within the white paper, and those will all be on the Listen Technologies uh, website coming up. But for now, the white paper is, is available for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the and the products, I, I guess I, I jumped ahead of it. The product is Listen Wi-Fi, which takes advantage of the fact that everybody has a tiny pocket supercomputer uh, and their own preferred headphones. Um, and so instead of, you know, selling a bunch of little boxes um, for listening to audio, um, everyone has their own, they connect in over the Wi-Fi, they, they get to pick what they want to listen to. I, I think one of the case studies in your white paper was no more fighting over what we're watching in the break room. You know, if somebody wants to watch baseball and somebody else wants to watch the news, mm -hmm. they stick it up on a video wall, both videos are up there and then everyone picks their own audio. Um, Exactly. Pretty much Listen Wi-Fi works in any location where people can watch a display or a live performance, but they cannot hear it. And it allows you to stream the audio to your own smartphone. So pretty much it's the audio answer for a video everywhere world. Everywhere we turn around, there's displays and there's video. You can't always hear what's playing on those displays. And Listen Wi-Fi really presents an excellent solution to that. And the thing that I find so interesting about um, a technology like this is, uh, you know, for a lot of people, the fact that everyone has a tiny, uh, you know, a tiny video device, a tiny listening device in their, in their pocket already, that everyone has their own preferred headphones um, is a threat. You know, we're not selling as many touch panels because people just want controls on their iPhone. And, you know, maybe we're not selling uh, as much digital media solutions because everyone just watches YouTube videos on their phones. But this is a product that's actually taking the fact that everyone has that in their pocket and using it to actually sell a solution, um, which I think is the way forward for our industry. You know, instead of fighting the technology change, the things that are out there, I think we should be embracing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we spoke with Caesar's Palace for the white paper, they felt very strongly that if they had to give headsets to people in a sports book, that people just wouldn't take advantage of it. The fact that they got to use their own earbuds on their smartphone while they're surfing the web on their smartphone and looking at the video wall, they can take in all the information and they want to do that with their own earbuds. They don't want to have to get a piece of equipment, sign it out and have to take it back. And what happens if somebody walks away with it and then the sports book is short on earbuds? So really, it, it is the best solution. It's easier for everyone if you use your own earbuds. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I think that I think we're going to be seeing more products coming out that take advantage of, you know, technology being everywhere, um, and that the companies that that see that 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 that's sort of the way of the future are the ones that are going to be doing well. Um, can you take us uh, through the process of what it's like to do a case study like that? Because I think there's probably some stuff that we could learn uh, from the fact that you talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, what's really important to me is to focus on the user experience and what drives the end users to invest in AV technology. And to do that, I like to put the humanity back in the technology. Um, and this was a big theme at Infocom this past year, especially at the Tide Conference, the technology, innovation, design, and experience. It really talked about making that connection between the technology and telling a story with it. And, and storytelling really is the best way to engage a reader. And what we did with this white paper is show how a product can be the solution for a problem. So if you take a look at the Kaiser Permanente break room, you only had one TV in there before and people were arguing over which program they got to watch and when there's only one channel, who gets to choose? So they put in a four by, or two by two video wall with four different displays on it. Now they can have four programs at once and everybody gets to watch what they want and everybody's happy. So it really enhanced the employee experience. What a great solution that now the employees are happy and they enjoy the breaks much more in their beautifully designed break room. There you go. Um, is there any, is there anything um, sort of that you were um, trying to say the word? What are what are our end users saying about us? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the end users are a little bit removed in this case. So to complete that case study, we talked to not only the end user but also also the systems integrator and the mm -hmm. systems integrators, or uh, when there is a design consultant involved. They're the ones that really know what's going on. The end users really only want to talk about how it solves their problems. That's what drives them to buy the technology. They're not thinking about the technical specs. All they want is for the technology to work as it's been promised. And that's where you come in, Hope. You're the one that has to make it all work. Uh, that's your job, to make it look simple and make it intuitive, make it easy for the users to go in and, and use the system. So you play a, a, an essential role in that user experience. Without you, the whole system falls apart. <laughs> there you go. Well, even with me, sometimes it does. Um, I yeah, I, I actually one of my favorite phrases is it takes a lot of work to make something look simple. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that is definitely the way of the future that, you know, we used to, I, I, I see some of the touch panels that people used to make, you know, even just five, six years ago, and there's 75 different buttons on it, and nobody was consistent about font sizes, and, um, and you know, all the, all the guys that programmed it, and because it was mostly guys, still mostly guys, but it's getting better, um, you know, isn't that great? You can do anything from one touch panel. And it's like, well, the reason we put in this integrated system is because we didn't want to have six remotes on the conference room table in front of us, which means exactly. that you really need to talk to your users and find out what are the, what are the core functionalities? What are we trying to do with the system? Put those buttons front and center, maybe put the other stuff on a separate page. You know, maybe we're not even doing a touch panel. Um, I, I see a lot of users that want sort of set it and forget it systems where all the programming is on the back end and the, and the end user just kind of comes in and their meeting starts. Um, mm -hmm. are, you, are, you, do you, are you seeing a lot of that as well in your work? Definitely, 
Definitely. It's all about making it easier for the user and creating that consistent experience. So when somebody walks into a room and they haven't had any training, they're still going to be able to get the technology to work. Yeah. I, for me personally, there's a sort of egoless mm-hmm. state that I have to reach where I sort of let go the idea that somebody's going to say, wow, look, you really need a cool looking touch panel or wow, this thing that you did is really nifty. Um, Because generally those are the things that are distracting and those are the things that, you know, end up being annoying features. And it's sort of the seamless system that kind of becomes part of somebody's everyday working environment, home environment. Um, You know, if they say, oh yeah, we just really like listening to music on our back deck that's mm-hmm. that's the success for me now it's not the oh yeah the font on that was really cool and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but this whole idea of um the standardization of av systems is such a big trend that's going on in the industry right now and i think that is one of the biggest impacts of the digital revolution um we have new modern solutions in av to meet almost all needs. And if you talk to folks at IMCCA, they would argue right now that um, custom solutions are only appropriate in about 10% of instances, and 90% of the time you should be doing a standard solution. And, and all the IT guys that I speak to, all the IT departments, IT decision makers, they want simple, repeatable, manageable, reliable solutions that they can scale. And it's just a different world from what we're used to in AV. I mean, in the past, a large AV project was 50 rooms, but I talk with some IT buyers. If you talk to the likes of Citigroup, they're managing 17,000 locations. I don't know how many rooms that is, but they've got 17,000 locations. So uh, it's a completely different world and you have to think of that repeatable and scalable design what do you, do you run into that in your world? Does that impact you? Yeah, actually. And I, I actually really like repeatable and scalable in a, in a, in a crazy way. I like to write a program once and then have a config file for anything that might be a minor tweak and then a script or some sort of way of, of batch uploading it and, you know, putting everything out there and every room is programmed exactly the same which, you know, sounds kind of boring, but it's actually really fun. I do a lot of commercial lighting. Um, so mm-hmm. you had, you know, we just did a 26 floor uh, building. Every single light was in our system. Um, there were, you know, um, maybe 250 identical rooms, each running um, about one or two on a lighting processor. Um, so everything on that was the same, exact same code. And then, you know, we just came, went in and changed a couple of values so that it knew which room it was. And uh, it all integrated with the IT system. They had a smart TV. We wrote a custom API. So it was actually a lot of work to write that first room. And then the next, you know, 249 rooms were just, (laughs) were just, Mm -hmm. they didn't take any time at all. And the best part of that was, you know, there were three rooms that there were problems in. And they, you know, the electricians tried to say that it was us. And I said, you know, there's 247 rooms that are working Mm -hmm. just fine with that same rev of code. Maybe you need to open up a ceiling tile and see what's going on up there. And that's, that's a pretty nice feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, 
focusing on one room, making sure that it's absolutely perfect before that you clone it out everywhere else, and then not having to um, to rewrite, you know, seventeen thousand uh, versions of something. Um, it's uh, I, I I like it actually. I think I think it's a fun challenge, and um, and and the biggest part of that challenge is to figure out, like you said, how to make it scalable. And also how to how to make it deployable so that you don't have to copy and paste seventeen thousand times. That you just you know you have some sort of tool that you're using to to automate it. You batch send it out, and it, and and it's all taken care of for you. I actually think what you do, the end users have the least amount of insight into compared to everything else. I mean, they have the internet today. They, they see everything about all the products that are going in. They know what projectors they want. They know what displays they want. They know a lot about the products that they want before they even speak to a salesperson. That's one thing that um, the internet and the, the digital revolution has done. It's completely disrupted the AV sales cycle. But they really know nothing about programming at all. I mean, has that been, or very little about it. Um, has that been your experience at all? when you deal with end users? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get sort of the um, amateur who thinks that they're a professional, and then often that can be the most challenging. You know, just a little bit of knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. So sometimes you get somebody who, you know, helped manage conference rooms at some point or, you know, reads a lot of stuff on the Internet. And, um, and you don't want to tell them that their ideas are... Um, dangerous but at the same time sometimes their ideas are dangerous um, but then sometimes they, they come up with some ideas and you say oh okay that's pretty cool um, so my biggest my biggest thing that I like to do when I'm programming a system is first of all I'm one of the only people that actually reads the contract documents a lot of times stuff makes it all the way to me and I say hey by the way you know uh, somewhere someone wrote this down that we have to do this we should find out if that's really true um, and then a big part of what I do is talk to somebody, and I think I kind of maybe approach it similarly to you, which is that you get back to that personal story. How are you using the rooms? What are your, what are your plans for meetings? Um, you know, who, who, sets, who sets your meetings up? Uh, you know, what devices are you using? Things like that. Because if you start with the specifics, often, you know, they'll say, oh, we wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And you're thinking, wow, that's going to take me 20 hours. And then it turns out that what they really want is, you know, the CEO has a specific thing that they always like to do. And, um, and what they really want is, you know, something that's very easy to implement. They just didn't know that they could do it. So that's a big that's a big part of what I do is is getting to the point where you know I'm not trying to save myself 20 hours of work at the expense of the customer but I'm trying to give them the best solution possible that will also be easiest to implement and also very scalable. Um, so we had a customer actually we had I called it the Julie button because um, her name was Julie and uh, and they had a weekly sales meeting. And they had sort of some macros that they needed for the weekly sales meeting. And so I put them all in one button and we just said, it just said sales meeting on it, but I told her it was the Julie button. Um, and she was very pleased that it was the Julie button. I think she liked that better than the macros. And, um, and you know, when they had their sales button, she just had to hit one button and it took care of everything for her. Um, that's great. So that's the part, that's the stuff that I like. And see, I would like to take that and turn that into a case study that tells a story about how she was affected by the Julie button. I think that is a great story. And what that does is it, it increases engagement. 
uh, some people reading that, well, I like that. I'd like something like that. Um, and then they would want to bring you in so they could have something like that. Um, that's where I think case studies and, and the storytelling really makes a difference. And sharing how AV can enhance the guest experience or in a school, how it can enhance that learning experience. And when you show all the cool things that we can do with AV. I mean, we're really only limited by our imaginations now. When people see that, you know, you can give them that, I want that feeling. And that, I believe, is driving a lot of adoption of our technology. Exactly. You know, I, I, I used to be very pessimistic about this. I would say, you know, I'm not going to have a job in five years. And I might not have the job I'm doing right now in five years because I think a lot of the programming has changed. Um, but you know, that's why I keep my eyes open. That's why I watch industry, industry trends. That's why I'm, I want to make sure that I'm up on all of the technology because there's going to be so many cool jobs in five years and we Uh all just sort of educate ourselves so that we are qualified for them. Um, I had this great conversation, uh, with somebody at a, at a training a couple of months ago where I had, you know, talked about where I was sort of pessimistic and he said, Oh no, this is a great time to be alive. There's so much more technology than there used to be. There's so many cool things coming out now. There's so many things that we can do. Um, everybody has a very high standard. I think a lot of that comes from Apple and the way that they sort of presented their technology of, you know, anyone can afford an iPhone, but it's going to be beautiful and it's going to work. And, you know, the, the icons all mean something and we all know what they mean. Um, and I think that's, I think that anyone that embraces that is going to have a great future. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I also felt at Infocom this year, there was a lot more optimism on the floor. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturers that I spoke to said, you know, people that were there were actually buying, whereas the year before, the mood was just a little bit more subdued and not as many orders being placed. I don't know if we've turned a corner, um, but the message finally seems to have gotten across this, this whole uh, convergence with AV and IT and AV over IP. The sky isn't falling. We've got mm-hmm. way more opportunity here now. And I think people are finally embracing it. I think, I think you're very right. Um, I actually watched, walked the show floor with my husband this year. He's, he's in IT. And uh, so you and I are recording this meeting using Zoom. Thanks, Zoom. Um, I just gave you some free product placement. Um, and uh, he uses Zoom at his work. And he said, you know, the sales guys don't always know how to start the call, especially if they're in a conference room and there's a bunch of people in there. And we're walking around and he's saying, I can just buy Zoom in a box? <laughs> And it's yeah. all, and it's going to integrate with the conference room, which to me says, a we're not doing a you know we're doing a pretty good job of reaching out. But if you know someone who's married to someone in the AV industry doesn't realize he can get Zoom in a box, uh, then me personally maybe I'm not doing enough re- uh, reaching out. But the you know our industry could be doing a better job of engaging IT people because all of a sudden he's saying, oh well you know we went you know we went the sort of Best Buy. TV and a, you know, whatever route in our conference room, cause we're IT people and we can figure this out. But you know, you give me zoom in a box. That's a, that's a different story. They don't even know what's out there. Um, yeah, they need to be educated. They need to be shown the way. <laughs> that's where I come in to communicate the message. And that's really why people come to me. Um, quite often I, I have clients where they have 
engineers or CTOs that have done a lot of writing, um, and it's very technical, and there's a lot of words on the page, and uh, you know, you're not really putting out a user guide. You want to use this as an instrument to educate the public. And people don't just want to learn about your products. They want to be entertained at the mm -hmm. same time, and uh, you need a copywriter for that. Who understands the industry? No offense to engineers or, or to other people, um, but we need different skill sets to communicate the message. Yeah, and, and it's a very rare person who can be that go-between. <laughs> it's probably, you know, out of, out of all of the skills that I have, the ability to talk human and the ability to talk computer, I think, um, is my most valuable one. Well, I think your ability to read a user guide and all the technical information that you absorb, see, that would be very difficult for me to do. I would have a hard time um, getting that level of, of technical that you do. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've, you know, I spent 12 years learning it, so <laughs> I had a head start. I'm sure you, I'm sure you could get there. Um, but you clearly understand the technology and then you understand how to talk to people, which I think is that's a rare, that's a rare combination. And one um, that, you know, if you weren't already doing market research, I would say you should look into uh, uh, the U UX side of things. Cause there's, I think we're going to have a lot more need going forward for people that can, you know, talk to a user and then also understand how the systems should work. Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show you, you shouldn't be worried about where you're going to be in five years because you're evolving with the industry and there's a lot more opportunity out there now so you'll be able to find a place. I've completely reinvented what I've done over the last five years and had to evolve with the industry and that's the thing, it changes the only constant. That's true, that's very true. Um, well, I have just, I'm actually not even sure how much time we've got left, but um, this has been fabulous. Uh, we usually end with a more lighthearted question, um, which usually ends up being a war story, but you and I have been fighting very different wars, and I wouldn't even call them wars. Um, you and I have been uh, doing very different jobs, so our, our stories are probably a little disparate, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about um, some of the surprises that you may have had in doing market research where you, you know, oh, yeah, they probably do X, Y, and Z, and then you get in and they tell you, oh, no, actually, you know, we hate that feature. <laughs> and I have, I have one story that's sort of related, related to that. And I can go first if you're still thinking about it. Yeah, you go first. You go first. I, I'm still thinking, yeah. Okay. Well, mine is about a consultant who... Um, you know, I, I, always, I always knew it was one of their jobs without even seeing the letterhead because they always specified certain things that nobody ever used. But, you know, we put them in. We made it work. But they had a very specific thing in there about how they wanted um, a video conferencing unit to be used for overflow. Um, so, and it was pretty technically challenging to do it. We had to send some commands into it to hide the menus so it didn't look like it was a video conference. It looked just like it was a camera. You know, I spent, I was on site, I think it was before my kids, so I at least wasn't as angry about being on site as I usually am when I'm trying to implement something that's silly. I, I don't mind, you know, I've, I've worked 14-hour days, um, quite a few of them in my day, but uh, when you're working a 14-hour day and you're thinking, this is a really silly feature, that's not, it's just not a great feeling. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a professional, I take pride in my work, I stayed very late that night, I made it work. 
I very proudly showed it to the end user the next day and they said, what is this? Get this off my panel. Um, they wanted their town hall space to be a real town hall space where everybody came together so that the technology was there to bridge them to the other offices. But for them, it was very important that people be together in that space. So they didn't want to use the TVs out in the other area as overflow because they wanted everyone to be, you know, in a communal space. <laughs> so basically I, stay, I basically I stayed all night because somebody thought it would be cool. Uh, and I'm still not entirely sure how it got in the spec if the user hated the absolute idea of it. She made me, she was like, get that button off my panel. Um, we basically buried the future, the feature. Nobody ever saw, it never saw the light of day. Uh, if I could have erased the code that did it, it probably would have made her happy. She was that, she was almost offended at having it on the panel because it went so against sort of the values of their company. Wow. <laughs> So that just goes to show you surprise. the yeah surprise. <laughs> that just goes to show you the value of um, talking to your clients, and you know, just because a just because a consultant was involved doesn't necessarily mean that the right decision makers mm -hmm. were, the ones, were the ones that put together that spec. And um, you know, we've had quite a I've had quite a few times in my day where I realized that you know so and so the rep likes to put things in there because they think it'll be cool. Uh, so you have to say, did the client ask for that or did you just think it would be cool? Because if you just thought yeah. it would be cool, I'll spend 10 minutes on it. But if the client asked for it, you know, we'll make it work. Okay. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to some of my earlier days. Uh, most of what I do is through primary research, through interve interviewing people across the entire industry and then uh, writing about it. And there was one integrator that I had interviewed, I think it was the third time I was interviewing it, and he was very eager to take the call, and, and which was thrilling for me because it's difficult to interrupt people's day and get them on the phone with you and have a meaningful conversation when you're so busy on the job site and you're so busy getting your job done, and who is this market researcher that wants to talk to me? So it, you know, it isn't always easy to get people on the phone or to take the time to, to speak with you. So this guy, he was very interested. I'm like, well, thank you so much. And he goes, well, you know what? The last two times we spoke, you really made me think about my business in a way that I hadn't thought about it before. And I like that. So I want to talk to you again. And that to me was the biggest compliment that he could have paid me. And it also made me realize that as I'm going out and interviewing people, it isn't just about me getting what I want. I have to offer value to them. And that's the same message I think that has to come across in the writing. If there isn't a, a purpose for them to read it, they're not reading it because that helps me. They're reading it because there has to be something in it for them. And the same thing goes with the interview. So that was a really important lesson that I learned early on in my career. And it's something that I've always tried to you know, hold dear to my heart. That's, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but it makes total sense that, you know, you're, you're sort of helping, you're almost helping people to, to re-engage with uh, their technology as well. So if you're talking mm -hmm. to, some, if you're talking to somebody that's put in a system and they've sort of gotten used to it being there, you know, talking to them about it probably gets them, gets them to think about like, oh yeah, that is pretty cool that it works like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's that's great. Um, uh, well, so if, uh, if my listeners want to read more from you, um, where can they find you? 
Well, you can come to my website. Um, you, I am on Twitter at Julia underscore Bailey. Um, you can Google me, CommuniQuest Consulting, and uh, I'm also on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. Uh, please reach out to me, start a conversation. I'd love to chat. And we will also post the Listen Wi-Fi white paper. And um, please reach out to me if you have any questions about that as well. Sounds good. Yes, I'd love to hear from you. And Bailey, for, for those of you who are listening, Bailey is spelled B-A-I-L-L-I-E. Um, so if you're looking for Julia, that's, that will help you to Google her. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put the link to your website as well as we always put Twitter handles on our recaps. So that will be there as well. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what all that you do and sort of helping our industry to get that sort of personal touch that um, the telling the story, I think it's so important. So um, thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Hope. Oh, it was great. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And um, for those of you who are listening, this has been The Floating Point on Rave, Rave Pubs Radio. And we will see you soon.